I can't make Jesus be your king. I can't make Jesus be your king. I can only make him mine. You know, for thousands of years, we read today the Nicene Creed, where it talked about how Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Uh, In the Apostles' Creed, which is another creed of the faith that we often read and worship, it said that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Now, I want you to think for a moment about our lives. I don't want to be morbid, right? Don't, don't like, hold this against me. But in truth, we get like 100 years, right? Right? We're going to get like 100 years. And one of the things I've noticed, unless you're like really into Ancestry.com, you know, and you can say who your great, 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 great whatever was, it's been said that after three to four generations, we're forgotten. That's weird, right? I know, sorry, what a joyful message today. Pastor, great, you know. No, 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 stick with me for a second, okay? I say that only to think about what is the legacy that we leave and the difference and impact that we make. Yes, we have a legacy. And I want you to think, though, that after some time that our names might not be recorded. They may not be remembered. Our stories may not continually be told. But when we look back hundreds of years... And we see names. We see their legacy and see what they're involved in. There's this interesting thing that Pontius Pilate, this guy, is remembered over and over and over. And millions of people read his name every week. One of the things I find with Pilate is that he has a moment of courage. It's just too late. That's his legacy. He's courageous when it's too late. And that's the temptation, I think, for us, that we want to do the right thing. We want to have courage. And sometimes we do it too late. We understand that we, you know, we say all the time that hindsight is 2020. We can look back and and, and, and see and feel and, and, and realize, oh, I should, I should have done this. One of the things I've noticed about John's gospel, and of course, Pilate's story is much more than just the couple verses that I read to you this morning. There's this whole thing that's happening before, but I, I'm just fascinated at what is happening now at the cross. I never really considered that Pilate would have gone to Golgotha to Mount Calvary, to the hill. I, I, I just kind of viewed him, you know, in his palace, doing his thing. Remember, Jesus was brought to Pilate, and he couldn't find a charge against him. They're like, you know, I don't want to deal with this. Come on. Remember, this is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is Passover week. This is the week when the, the people would remind themselves. Now, remember, you know, Pilate is governing. He's the governor over this region of Judea, which includes this really kind of big area of Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, all the pilgrims would come to this festival and they would say throughout this festival week, we once were slaves, but now we're free. They would share in this Passover meal and remember the exodus, the Pharaoh that oppressed them and how God led them out and delivered them and brought them out into freedom. They would remind themselves of this story and then they'd look around at the situation that they were in and realized 
we, we, we don't call him Pharaoh, we call him Caesar. And yes, we have some freedom. Yes, we have our temple, but really are we free? And it would be the most zealous among them that would start to create rebellions with this seed of hope and they would you know try to overthrow the romans most of the time it wouldn't be just sort of randomly through the year it was always during this week so everybody's kind of on edge i wonder if Pilate would have brought in maybe some extra soldiers just to kind of like keep things quiet during this week or if anything got out of hand they'd be able to handle it and here 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 it comes again you know he wakes up in the morning, and his wife is like, I had a bad dream. You just shouldn't deal with this guy. And he's like, what in the world? And here comes this guy, Jesus. And they're saying, you know, you need to deal with this guy. Ah, I, don't, you know, I don't have a problem with him. And he's, you know, he'll kick him over to Herod. You know, the, the whole pilot story is just really, really fascinating about how he's just trying to, to dodge and to, to get out of the way of not deal with the man that is in front of him until he has to deal with the man that is in front of him. And he talks to them about, you know, this kingdom. Because basically what they realize is that, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to get rid of him, you know, because he is popular, he did all these miracles, or he did all these teachings. You know, what are they going to do to get rid of this Jesus guy? And it was, they have to put him against their oppressors. The oppressed are using the oppressors to oppress so they bring him to Pilate, and like, you know, he says, he's this king, you know. And there's this powerful, tragic story just in the chapter before this where, where the, he, he keeps trying to let him go. He, he keeps trying to say, I, I don't find any fault in him. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do anything with him. He, he literally washes his hands. He's going to wash his hands. Yeah, you know where that expression comes from? It comes from Pilate. He washes his hands of this stuff. He's not going to take responsibility for this. He tries to scourge Jesus. He tortures Jesus in the hope that that would be enough to settle everybody down. Let's just kind of teach him a lesson, you know, and let's kind of remind people while we're at it what we can do to them. And it's brutal, right? And he has the crown of thorns, and they place the, the garment on him. Yeah, they put a little stick in his hand. And Pilate says, here he is. Here is your king. They say, we have no king but Caesar. Ouch. You know who said that? The chief priests. The most religious among them of the day, the chief priests said to the governor of Judea, our king is Caesar. Now, they tried to criticize Jesus all throughout his public ministry. They tried to trap him, actually, in this weird relationship that they had with the Romans. Jesus wasn't able to be trapped, yet here they are. And I think all the way back to the beginning, all the way back into the Old Testament, where, where God says, I want to be your king. Because they said, everyone else around us has a king, and we want one too. I'm not sure how it sounds like a middle school person right there, but it, it, it kind of sounds like they're whining. You know, the, person, the nation over here, the tribe over here, they've got a king, and we want one too. And, and God says, I'm your king. I led you out. 
I'm the one who will, will take care of you. I'm your king. I said, no, we want to be like everybody else. He said, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you have a king. Here's what's going to happen, though. Be mindful of this. And all the while, it goes back to this tension of whether or not we want to let God be our king. Because I can't make Jesus your king. I can only make him mine. So after the torture of Jesus, after the crowd finally yells to just crucify this man, as much as Pilate tried to get out of it, we see him journey. From John's perspective, we see him journey up the hill with them. And he made a sign. Remember, we talked last week about how the sign would be posted, and this would be a place where people would come and go, is right near the city, so it was probably close to an entrance of the city, where everybody coming in would be able to see these individuals hanging on a cross. And they would be able to read, what did they do to deserve such pain and humiliation? Well, Pilate made a sign. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Now, the, the man who had washed his hands yet still came under the influence of the crowd is there. And they say, no, 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 the people there. Remember, Jesus is on the cross at this point. He's on the cross. He had carried it <laughs> after being tortured. He carried it up the hill. When he couldn't carry it anymore, someone else had to come and help him. But now he is on the cross, and the religious leaders again say, no, 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 this is going to be a very tricky thing for people to see. You, you don't say that he is the king of the Jews. You say that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. And do you remember what Pilate said? What I have written, I have written. That's it. It's in this moment where he is courageous. It's in this moment where he does what he feels like is right. He has strength and confidence now. We say his name every week. He's part of the creedal statements about naming who God is. Throughout, throughout history, we have named who God is. And alongside of that, we name this guy who was courageous when it was just too late. Who, in conversation with Jesus, would very easily philosophize his way out of things. Who talked to Jesus about, indeed, a kingdom. You see, there's a clashing of kingdoms here in this story. Pilate and Jesus talked about this in the verses before the ones I read to you today. They talked about this kingdom of Jesus, that his kingdom is not of this world. So we see the, the kingdom that we view through our eyes. Maybe through the crowd that day, it would have been this sort of Judaic mindset of kingdom of maybe Herod, right? Or, or maybe God as king, yet we have within our religion a kingdom. And there's this kingdom that Caesar's in charge of of which is oppressing people or we're having to pay taxes to. And then there's this kingdom that Jesus talks about, a kingdom that is not of this world, that he is going to break in in his public ministry and in his teaching. He talks about the kingdom of God 
coming near. And truthfully, friends, there is this kingdom, this other kingdom that is our kingdom. And we have our understanding of kingdom through all of these different lenses. But at the end of the day, most of the time, it's this. We are sitting on the throne of our own lives. That we are the kings and the queens and the masters of our own universe. And these kingdoms clash all the time. And we see it here in the crucifixion story. They are clashing. He wrote it in three languages. Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Three languages so that everybody in all the different kingdoms that they would have been a part of, as they walked by, they would have been able to see this is who this guy is. And again, it's an unconscious tribute. Is it true? See, I can't make Jesus your king. I can only make him mine. And the lasting legacy is not just within the washing of the hands or that a courageous word comes just a little too late, but really the lasting legacy for us, friends, if we're going to talk about, really, in this season of Lent, the cross, it's going to be, Pilate's problem isn't about naming Jesus as the king of the Jews. It's that he never named him the king of Pilate. That's what we're left with. He wasn't willing to name Jesus as the king of Pilate. Are you able to name him as your king? And this is what we must understand about the kingdom that is not of this world, that is breaking in upon us, the thing that we struggle with in managing all the different kingdoms of our minds. Come on, Christians, let's be honest about this. When we struggle so much about how to live within our world, whether it's with our Christian nationalism or it's our own personal kingdoms that we want God to do things the way we want them. God, you're not answering my prayers the way I want them because I am the king of my own life. Or it's how we want to view a little bit of this kingdom and a little bit, of, you know, I want to be king of my own world, but yet I also want God to do things, you know. Listen, right? This is what we must wrestle with. I can't make Jesus your king. I can only make him mine. And my legacy, my impact, whatever my life will be is my choice. I can't force this king upon you. I can't write a sign that declares who he is for you. You must make the choice to let Jesus be your king. Even if it means you must view the world in a different way. Even if you must view the world through now his kingdom lens. Or you must step off of the throne of your life and let Jesus sit upon it. And that ain't easy. But this is what it's like. Look, I don't want you to be courageous too late. He's before you now. You have a choice to wash your hands of him. Or to try to just move him along because you're content with the way that your kingdom is being run. Or you can present him as the king of your life. I can't make him king for you. You must do it. What will you do? Let us pray.
Jesus, we look to you today as our King, as the Lord, as the one who has given his life so that we might live. We come to the cross. We see your passion, your love. We listen to the words of those who stand and watch you die, and yet we also hear ourselves in these words. I pray, Lord, that now might be a moment of courage for us. Now might be the time when we step off of the throne of our own lives and allow for you to reside, even if that means we might just need to look at things differently. We might need to learn and to, and to be and to act in the way of Jesus and not in the way of our kingdom or any other type of kingdom of this world. For the kingdom of our Lord is become of his Christ and you shall reign forever and ever. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and you shall reign forever and ever. Give us the courage we need to say yes, to invite you to be the king of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.